Okay, tonight I'm going to take right off from where he is, or explained to us. And so if you turn to the very passage he just read and explained, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 1 through 5, that'll be our text for tonight as we consider what do we say? What do we say when we share the gospel? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. I won't read it again since he just read it in the video. And I just want to start right off with our first point, and that is the most important truth. We could say that all the teachings of the Bible are equally important, but there is a teaching, there is a truth that is more important than all the others. And that's what Paul is telling the church at Corinth. The others are important, the other teachings of the Bible are important, but this one is more important. So we have all these important truths, but we have one that rises up that is more important. So tonight we are looking at the most important truth in all of the Bible. Paul said, for I deliver to you as of first importance. And that is a very key phrase for tonight. He is not teaching something new that he alone discovered. This is something that he received and is now passing on to his readers. This truth is something that was foretold in the Old Testament. This is something that was taught by and fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And something that was passed on to Paul, if we look at the whole of the New Testament, including the book of Galatians, this was something that was passed on to Paul by direct revelation and by the other apostles. And in verses 1 through the first part of verse 3, he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. Now, as you're reading through the New Testament, that ought to catch your attention and say, Boy, we talk about the gospel, we sing about the gospel. What is the gospel? He says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. Of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, by which you are being saved, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received. The phrase as of first importance is a key thought in the logic of Paul's argument. All of the commandments and principles, or of all of the commandments and principles in the Bible, one stands above them all. One is of primary importance. Without this one truth, without this one truth, we could not fully grasp or understand all of the other truths in the Bible. In fact, I think we can accurately say tonight that this one truth is the gateway it is the doorway through which we find all other truths. I just want you to think about that tonight. This one truth that stands above them all is the gateway. It is the doorway through which we understand all other truths. For example, let's say that we have a person who is fascinated by the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments in the book of Revelation. And they want to talk about them with you. Nothing wrong with that. But what good is understanding those judgments if we've never received Christ. What good is it to be fascinated by the prophecies of the book of Revelation if we've never been saved? 
if we don't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Let's say that there is a person who is fascinated by Jesus' statement about the destruction of the temple that was filled in, excuse me, was fulfilled in 70 AD. And it's great to talk about that, but again, what good is it? What help is it if they haven't first learned the most important truth of all? In verses 3 through 5, there are four parts to this one truth that formed one of the earliest and most basic Christian creeds. They used to take the second part of verse 3 through what is now verses 3 through 5 in our English Bibles, and they would recite them together. They were a creed, they were a pronouncement that the church would gather together, and they would say together, In verse 3 it says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And they would say this together, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Four parts here, forming one great truth. First part. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Christ died as a substitute for our sins. He died in our place. It's what Eric called in the video the great exchange or we've talked about before as the great transfer. Our sins were transferred to Christ and his righteousness was transferred to us. He died for us. He died in our place. And Christ died to bring us into a right relationship with God. Oh, people of the world, let me tell you what I've heard and what saved me, and that is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Second part, he was buried. That may seem like a small and insignificant little phrase, but it's not. That little phrase verifies the reality of his death. A literal dead body was going to be raised from the grave. Jesus didn't just pass out. He wasn't, or he didn't, as some have tried to say, that he died spiritually but not physically. No, he was dead dead, okay? He died His body died. He died. He was buried. Part three, he was raised. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. In accordance with the scriptures refers to the totality of scripture. All of the prophecies of the Old Testament that were given, that related to the coming of the Messiah, that related to the coming of the great anointed one, the great savior of the world, all were fulfilled in and continue to be fulfilled in in the future in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ rose to life in the same body in which he died. That is actually an important part of historical Christian teaching. Jesus Christ died in the same body in which he died. He wasn't resurrected in a different body. 
his dead body was transformed into a glorified body just as your body will be someday. Through his death and resurrection, he overcame sin. Through his death and resurrection, he overcame death, the two greatest enemies that human beings will ever face in all of their existence. He overcame them. He overcame sin, and he overcame death, and he brought hope beyond the grave. And what a comfort, what a joy, what a thrill it is for me as a pastor to be able to stand at the graveside of a Christian who has passed into the next life and to say with great confidence they are with Jesus and there is hope beyond the grave. Number four, he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. They saw him. People saw him after he rose from the dead. And this is so important this is so important to Paul's argument that he expands on it in a fourfold manner in verses 6 through 8. He says, Then he appeared, first of all, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Number two, then he appeared to James. Number three, then to all the apostles. Number four, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. These were the eyewitnesses, the eyewitnesses who saw him, who touched him, and who talked with him after, after he rose from the dead. And we proclaim tonight and we proclaim to the nations and to all the unreached people groups of the world, Jesus Christ is alive. Not a ghost, not a spirit, the actual historical Jesus Christ is alive. That's the gospel. Those are the four parts of this one main truth that Paul says, for I delivered to you as of first importance. Well, our second point tonight is something that I know all of you know but we need to go over it again. Our second point is knowledge is not enough. Knowledge is not enough. We must always tell others that knowing all of this will do nothing for you if you just know it. We used to have a little track years ago um, in our track rack that just, the title of the track was 18 inches and it was the greatest distance in the world. It's the distance between your head and your heart, 18 inches. And sometimes people never make that journey from the head to the heart. You can know all of these things, but if you don't act upon them, if you don't make them personal, they will do nothing for you. You must not only believe that this is the most important truth of all, but you must turn your life over to the central figure of this most important truth, and that is Jesus Christ. You must not only know these things, you must make a personal surrender and commitment of your life to the very heart and soul of this one important truth, and that is Jesus Christ himself. We must tell others that only this truth, only this truth can bring you 
to God. Only this truth, folks, only this truth can bring you forgiveness of your sins. Only this truth can assure you a home in heaven when you die. Only this truth can set you free. And again, what I'm sharing with you tonight is what hopefully all of us will share with others, that we will say to them, only this truth can set you free. You must believe it. You must believe it with all your heart. You must believe that nothing else, that nothing else can save you. Our third and final point tonight is, so what do we say? Let's really bring this down to where the rubber meets the road. So what do we say? There are many good gospel outlines and evangelistic books that can be helpful tools that take these truths and help you to present them to others. I've shared these with you before many times, but let me just go over them again because for some people we just need something to help us, to guide us along. I have advocated to you uh, on many occasions that for some of you uh, it's helpful to me and might be for you. Just take a good gospel track and master it. I mean, know it inside out. Memorize it if you have to. And over time, it won't necessarily be just a rote presentation. It will become part of you and something that you can share freely. I think of the four spiritual laws put out by Campus Crusade for Christ, now called Crew. Um, they now have it in a new format, uh, Would You Like to Know God Personally, which we keep out in our track rack out there. I think of the Bridge to Life put out by the Navigators Campus Ministry. Excellent one. In fact, Eric Raymond and his material, that's one that he likes to use, the Bridge to Life by the Navigators. We have this little gospel track, God's Bridge to Eternal Life, put out by Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary. A good little track. It's one that Santos Garcia uses and brought to our attention. And we have these available both in English and in Spanish. Uh, if you're interested in, in having some of these, um, I think of the Romans Road. Some people like to use that approach. The Wordless Book, Evangelism Explosion. There are a lot of good methods to sharing the gospel, and, and those are just a few that, that I commend to you uh, tonight. Also, it can be helpful if you have a friend that you're interacting with, um, maybe to share a book with them, and then talk about the book. They recommend two in their material. One is The Reason for God by Tim Keller, and If You Could Ask God One Question by Paul Williams and Barry Cooper. Again, those are just two examples of the kinds of books that we could give to people where we maybe could both read it together and then interact about that. Now, I have talked to a number of people and listened to speakers over the years who prefer not to use a set outline or um, uh, a set presentation, but they strongly prefer, prefer using sincere and probing questions, just going back and forth and asking someone questions. Hey, that's okay. Whatever helps you the most to present the gospel, that's what you should use. And as I've shared so many times, I've found with presenting the gospel, the message is always the same, but the method is not one size fits all. Sometimes we're going to be more comfortable with one method or one track versus another. But whatever gospel method or presentation you use, 
it needs to contain the following six truths. So whatever you use, there are six basic truths that always need to be included. Now, these are not original with me. I actually took them from the book, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church, especially Mark 3, the biblical gospel. Um, so these are not original with me, but have helped me over the years to remember whatever I use, these six things need to be included. Now, you don't need to say them exactly like I say them tonight, but you need to, the gospel presentation needs to contain these six things. Number one, something is radically wrong with me. Okay, Pastor Chad shared this morning, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's not just something wrong with our culture. There's something wrong with me. There is something wrong. I am a sinful person separated from God. Secondly, I deserve to be punished eternally for my sins. My sins aren't just mistakes. They aren't just things that are kind of bad. They are things that deserve the punishment of God. They are serious, serious in the eyes of a holy God. Number three and number four are really at the heart of this whole presentation. Number three, I cannot save myself no matter how hard I try. In our gospel presentation, we need to make sure people understand you cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot earn your way to heaven. Living a good, trying to live a good life will not get you to heaven. And very importantly, just going to church and praying and reading your Bible will not get you to heaven in and of itself. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ will. Number four, Jesus Christ died as a substitute for my sins. Jesus Christ died the death that I deserve to die. He died in my place. Number five, Jesus Christ is the only way I can come to God. Some people say all roads lead to heaven. That is a lie. That is heresy. Some people say all religions lead to heaven. That is a lie. That is heresy. There is only one way to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. And then number six, very important, I must make a conscious decision to either accept or reject the gospel. I have to make a decision. I have to act on this knowledge, this information that has been given to me. Well, as I end tonight, I want to end with an illustration and a quote, an illustration and a quote. The illustration is based on, go back to what he talked about. He talked about the young man, Scott, who at first, after he came to know Christ, was evangelistically zealous, but then met a seasoned skeptic and then backed away, afraid he wasn't going to say the right thing. And sometimes we can be so afraid of the questions that people might ask us and forget forget, or even get in debates and arguments with people and fail to give them the simple gospel message. I want to share a story with you that um, I've shared many times in a class I taught. A number of years ago, I taught a class in the basic doctrines of the Christian faith using the Moody Handbook of Theology. And when we came to the doctrine of salvation, I shared this story each class time because it's been very helpful to me. So if you were in one of those classes, you've heard this before, so bear with me. But years ago, actually this would have been in the late 1980s, I heard a pastor speak 
and he was telling about the simplicity of the gospel. And this was back when churches used to do a lot of cold calling where they would just go out and visit different homes and try to share the gospel. And this pastor took a man from his church with him and they were going out knocking on doors, visiting homes. And he pastored in northern Ohio and in this part of northern Ohio, there was quite a migration of uh, people from Quebec that had come down there. And they came to the home of a young couple that had migrated down from Canada uh, he said it was a, a young Italian man and his French-Canadian wife. And he said he, they came to this home and they graciously allowed them in their home. And he said this Italian man and his French-Canadian wife, they were a very good-looking couple, uh, very intelligent, um, both very well-educated and both had um, well-paying professional jobs. And so they were invited into the home and they did some kind of chit-chatting about their church and then about their background and then they began to get into spiritual things and began to talk about the gospel and he said as they began to share the gospel this young couple really became combative and argumentative and he said they were so intelligent he said everything we said they had to come back for it they had a question how can you believe this how can this be true he said they came to a point in their conversation that he was absolutely overwhelmed and was afraid that this man that he was training in evangelism was going to get really discouraged. He said it came to a point where they were almost bombarded by this young couple. They were so intelligent, so gifted at arguing. And so he came to a point where he just said, you know what, I can tell you don't agree it appears our conversation is not going to go anywhere. He said, I just really want to thank you for allowing us into your home. And he said, I think we will leave for the night. And so just as they were about to leave, he turned to the young couple and he said, um, he said, I just want to share one simple thing with you. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you for letting us in your home. He said they went out into the dark of the night feeling like they were complete failures. Pastor said he considered himself pretty well versed in the Bible, but he was overwhelmed by this young couple. The very next Sunday, he gets up in the pulpit of his church. He looks to the left side of his church, and there sitting in his congregation was that young Italian man and his French-Canadian wife. He was shocked to see them sitting in church. Afterwards and in ensuing weeks, he began to talk with them and they were showing a real spiritual interest. He couldn't believe it. And he asked them, he said, what, why did you come to church? What is the reason for your spiritual interest? And they said, it was that thing you said before you left. That thing about for God so loved the world. He said, we... They said, we just couldn't get it off our minds. We just kept thinking about that and thinking about that. Now, I'm not saying to you tonight, all you need to do is share John 3.16, but it is a good reminder to us, be faithful with the gospel. Be faithful with the gospel. I want to close with a quote by Billy Graham that was included in our material that I think says it so well. Billy Graham says this, I have found that when I present the simple message of the gospel of Jesus Christ with authority, quoting the very word of God, 
he takes that message and drives it supernaturally into the human heart. It says it all. I present the simple message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, quoting the very word of God, and he takes that message and drives it supernaturally into the human heart. Keep it simple and accurate and be faithful. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us to believe in the power of the gospel. To believe in the power of that simple gospel message to change hearts and to change lives. Oh Lord, sometimes we are so fearful. The fear of man is so strong in our lives. Help us, we pray, to be courageous gospel witnesses to those around us, to those that you bring into our sphere of influence. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.